Hi, friends. This is Matt Sewell, and you're listening to episode 70 of the Popecast, the only podcast about popes where you'll find non-boring stories on the successors of St. Peter and a reminder that all of the world's problems have happened plenty of times before. Our sponsors this week are our friends over at Catholic Balm Co. Once again, forget about that summer bod. You need to be worrying about that summer beard and keeping it lush and smelling great. So head on over to catholicbalm.co to check out their great variety of products, especially if you're looking to support an awesome small business. And be sure to enter the word Pope, P-O-P-E, at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's catholicbalm.co and the word Pope at checkout. Thanks again to Catholic Balm Co. for sponsoring the Popecast. Our Pope this week wasn't long for this world once he made it to the chair of St. Peter, and he was a compromise pick from the beginning to boot. Apparently it had something to do with being just another pretty face. But history is silent on whether or not he was a barbarian. This week on the Popecast, it's the Pope who is ridiculously good-looking, Pope Conan. Born in the year 630 AD, Conan was of Greek extraction, the son of a general in the Thracian regiment of the Byzantine army who had served in Asia Minor. Conan, whose name has also been spelled variously over the centuries as Conono, Cononius, Konos, and even Kuno, was educated in Sicily and by all accounts spent his entire early life there. That all changed, though, when he up and hightailed it to Rome, 500 miles away, once Muslim forces began to invade Sicily with regularity around the mid-7th century. And in fact, the presence of a large swath of Sicilian clergy in Rome at that time is what lends this theory its weight, considering Conan would end up being ordained a priest himself following his arrival in the Eternal City. Conan served the church faithfully from that point on, and in the twilight of his life at the age of 53, to be precise, he was named a cardinal by Pope St. Leo II on May 1st, 683. Now, the mid-680s weren't a great time for popes, as it turned out. The three men who preceded Conan on the papal throne never made it to their one-year anniversaries, beginning with Leo II and followed by St. Benedict II and John V, who died on August 2nd, 686. Following John's death, two warring factions broke out in the attempt to find a successor. The Roman clergy put forth the archpriest Peter, while the military favored a cardinal priest by the name of Theodore. Each camp occupied a prominent Roman church to weather the storm, the clergy in the Lateran Basilica and the military in San Stefano Rotundo. When neither side was making headway, and likely once the man in charge of approving the selection was growing impatient, that being the Byzantine ambassador, the exarch of Ravenna, the two parties sought out a compromise candidate and landed on Conan. The military liked him for having come from a military family, and large populations of Greeks and Syrian refugees in Rome certainly increased his chances of election. But it's said that both parties thought him a fair choice primarily for his simple character, his age, presumably because he might die soon and they'd get another crack at it, and, as it turned out, because of his ruggedly good looks. I mean, it never hurts, right? There's a reason a growing number of people want Dwayne The Rock Johnson to run for president, and I have a hunch it isn't because of his politics. Now, the Exarch of Ravenna confirmed Conan's election almost immediately, and he was consecrated on October 23, 686. His papacy would unfortunately be short-lived. He would become the fourth pope in a row to last less than a year, but Conan did still have a few notable accomplishments. Within weeks of his election, Pope Conan was the recipient of a visit from the great Irish missionary St. Killian and his eleven companions. Conan ordained Killian a bishop and sent the group to evangelize pagan Franconia, 
a region in the center of modern-day Germany that's now home to cities like Nuremberg, Würzburg, and Bamberg. It was on that mission that Killian and two of his friends, Coleman and Tottenen, would receive the crown of martyrdom, being beheaded in the Würzburg town square, not three years after being sent there by the Pope. And less than a century later, the great St. Boniface, sent on mission to evangelize the Germans originally by Pope St. Gregory II, as we mentioned in Popecast episode number 45, appointed the bishop who commanded that their relics be dug up and placed in a tomb inside the cathedral he had built on that very spot, where they remain to this day. Conan was friendly with Justinian II as well, the new Byzantine emperor, who despite being an often brutal and overly ambitious ruler, was nonetheless a supporter of the Pope's mission. Conan received a letter from Justinian that was actually addressed to his predecessor, John V, noting that the acts of the Third Council of Constantinople had been recovered and were under his personal protection in Constantinople. Remember, the Third Council of Constantinople condemned monophysitism, the false belief that Jesus had but one nature, when in fact he has two divine and human. But in any case, on its face, this seems like a good thing, right? The emperor is protecting the official acts of this great ecumenical council, but it casts a shadowy picture of the future, considering Justinian's intent, that it was to make known, actually, that he considered himself to be the primary ruler over the church, which apparently means that that letter, at least that part of the letter, was him thumbing his nose at the pope. But nevertheless, Justinian also wrote that he was reducing taxes owed by papal patrimonies to the imperial government and that imprisoned peasants were being forgiven their tax debts and released from captivity. Sadly, Conan was sickly and frail for much of his short papacy, which all but paved the way for his advisors to wheel and deal and pad their own pockets. In particular, he angered the Roman clergy at one point by appointing a foreigner, a subdeacon named Constantine, to the cushy job of rector over the patrimony of the church in Sicily, a rich position normally reserved for Romans, and his archdeacon, Pascal, tried to ensure his own path to the papacy following his boss's death by bribing the exarch of Ravenna. Theodore, who was a rival candidate originally, if you'll remember, presumably saw Pascal doing that and put himself back in the mix again too, to nobody's apparent excitement. Now to combat this, Conan at least put up the name of his eventual legitimate successor, the man who became Saint Sergius I, before departing this life for the next. But the former two became antipopes after Conan's death for a short time, now known as Antipope Theodore and Antipope Paschal, but Sergius I eventually emerged victorious. Pope Conan died on September 21st, 687, not even 11 months to the day after his election at the age of 57, and he was buried in the left nave of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He reportedly left lavish gifts to several groups, as John V had done before him in his own will the year prior, giving gold to the Roman clergy, to those serving the poor out of various monasteries in Rome, and to the Mansionari, the staff charged with keeping watch over the church's sacred structures. Sadly, Conan's tomb was destroyed in the 16th century during the demolition of the old St. Peter's Basilica in preparation for construction of the new and current structure we know and love today. Well, a short papacy and so a short popecast, but that's a wrap on this episode about the Pope who is ridiculously good looking. We really hope you enjoyed it, especially if you're a new listener. Uh, and as always, for our existing listeners on that note, if you do enjoy the Popecast, we'd be honored if you'd share it with a friend or family member. It obviously helps to spread the word about the show, but Lord knows more people than ever could use a little bit of historical perspective these days, right? A quick shout out to Jackson, our newest patron and the proud owner of one of our limited edition Popecast mugs. Jackson will have that in the mail to you soon. If you'd like to support the Popecast too, 
be sure to check us out at patreon.com slash the podcast. It's patreon.com slash the podcast. But as we head out today, remember, these are strange times we live in, but no stranger than in ages past. Until next time.